You're listening to a Benstown and McVeigh Media Podcast Network production. Run It Again is an inside look at the players, the coaches, and the business of sports with former NFL star and broadcaster Ron Pitts. And two minutes later, I was back in the same Oklahoma drill that I got the concussion from. And the mastermind behind the greatest show on turf, Coach Mike Marks. And we want to force him into a vanilla defense and go to work. Run It Again is a hard-hitting, no BS podcast that connects you directly to the source. This is Run It Again. Welcome to Run It Again. Now, here's Ron Pitts with the coach, Mike Marks. At wide receiver from North Carolina State, number 88, Tory Holt. Hey, hey, Tory, Ron Pitts here, man. How you doing? Hey, Ron. Boy, good, I, I remember those. Uh, I'm good. I remember those greatest show on turf days because I was doing the, the sideline for the Madden crew during that run, and it was magical. Listen, I do a podcast with a guy you may know, Mike Martz, and Coach oh, yeah. Martz is always talking about you and Isaac and, and just things that made that whole system work. Talk to me about how important he was to your development as a receiver and that team offensively. Well, well, Mike allowed us to play and use our strengths. Uh, he, he really did. And, you know, when I came in as a, as a rookie, I didn't have to play Z, F, and H. I didn't have to learn everything, though I could play all those positions. Mm-hmm. But he said, hey, look, we're going to line you up at the X position because that's where we need for you to fit in this offense forward to really go. And, Mark, and Mike had the luxury, the luxury of just creating incredible plays, winning plays for us every single week. It was it was so great. I had so much fun going into the meeting rooms on ex- in, install day, which was which were uh, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. Wow! Because when you when he presented the playbook to you, when he presented the playbook to you, we knew that there was a lot of winning plays yeah. in that playbook. We yeah. just had to execute, and he entrusted us to do that. We had the skill sets, man. Uh, we allowed him to have the creativity, and he entrusted in us again to go out and play and play at a very, very fast pace. Um, so Coach Marks, phenomenal coach in a very, very intricate role in my success as a wide receiver. So, Mike, uh, you know, I know you talked about Isaac Bruce and you talked about Marshall. Uh, I, and, and briefly, we've talked about Tory Hope, but give me your thoughts on, on Tory Hope as a player, as a person, oh, your man. time there. And, and, and you don't have enough time. The thing with Tory is, the, when he walked in the room, it was instant energy. Yeah, I think the whole team fed off of his energy. I've ne- really, you you couldn't wear him out. He he just uh, I've never been around anybody in my whole life that had that kind of energy. Hmm. He always had a smile on his face, and he was always checking out if we had a bad game or something. He would always check me out in front of the team to see how he would grade me to see my attitude, you know, and how strong I was coming back and. But we fed off his energy, uh, and it kept us going a lot of times. And, of course, he always made these big, big plays for us to, to win games. And he used yeah. to call him Big Play, and so that name kind of stuck for him. But uh, he was an amazing player. No no player ever has had 1,300 yards six years in a row, not Jerry Rice, not anybody. So he yeah. obviously needs to be and will be in the Hall of Fame, and he's a pretty phenomenal player and man. Well, obviously, his uh, his love for you is 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 huge, and as evidenced there by by that little piece. And uh, you know, they they all have great things to say about you, Mike. And you know, not every not every coach that's coached me, and and, and I think I can speak for some other players as well. You don't always have that relationship with the coach. You know, sometimes it's kind of like the boss employee relationship. Yeah, you know, you, you work for me. I work for you. Know, I work for you. We do business, and if we happen to be friends and have a relationship in the meantime, well, that's that's great. But you know, it's not always like that. Well, I think the thing that's, that was different for us is I was in a position to to help them to be a facilitator, if you will. And I have to tell you, Ron, I was I'd been on lost tabs where we just ran plays more or less. And so what we did is, you know, there's connection with each one of those guys. And, and, and Tori was one of those guys where I, you feel like you kind of understand him a little bit and you try to put him in a position to where he can really excel. And they yeah. appreciate that. 
They do. They appreciate that. And I think the other guys even more than Tori, because Tori had never been any place but the Rams. And I, I know that uh, Marshall used to tell Tori, uh, you you know, it's not like this everywhere else. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Right. It just isn't like this, you know, Tori. Yeah. And, and I think he got that. He understood. But he, uh, his personality is bigger than life. You know, it really is. And, and I've always appreciated that about him. Yeah, well, I got a chance to ask him that question there. He, uh, he, he was on our show, a little show I do here in L.A. on Thursday nights. And, of course, uh, he was in town this past weekend for the Rams-Tennessee uh, Titan game because they were honoring Isaac Bruce. You know, Isaac Bruce was right. getting his Hall of Fame right. moment there at the stadium. And, right. and a lot of the guys came back, and I know Jackie Slater w- was there, and, and, and uh, so they brought in Tory, and they, they brought in <laughs> so many guys. And I, and I got I to gotta tell you a quick story here, another, another uh, Mike March story. Jackie uh-huh. broke into it. I don't know how we got to you. We were talking about Tory, but somehow Jackie started talking about uh your installs now how many years was jackie on the team when you were around 20. i was uh i was there at the end with him he's there 20 years in the league so yeah i was with him in la here, here here's my favorite jackie story i'm walking to practice but well, let me let me back up just a second yeah. we're getting ready for the season to start two days from camp starting so all the coaches are back in their office from summer Chuck walks in my office and he says, uh, I remind, I have to tell you, I always coach quarterbacks and receivers and, and I was coaching the tight ends at the Rams at the time, which means I helped a little yeah. bit of the line, but not much. He said, Mike, line coach has throat cancer. You're coaching the offensive line in two days. Was that Erkenbeck? Yeah. Erkenbeck went down with throat cancer. Yeah, so I remember that. I had two days a year, right? So we're going to the first practice. And I got all my notes and I got everything going and I, you know, how to, I'm, what drills I'm going to do. And I'm nervous, you know, I'm walking down the, the street there to go to the practice here at Fullerton state. And Jackie walks up and the big shadow comes up, you know, and he puts his arm down on my shoulder on me like this. He, he, he yelled Jackie laugh. He goes, <laughs> he says, you're a little nervous. I bet. Aren't you? <laughs> I said, Jack, you have no idea how nervous I am. <laughs> And then he said something to me that I never forgot, and I kept with me uh, the rest of my life as a football coach. He said, "You, you, if you can help me learn one thing today, I'm all yours." Oh, that's powerful. Oh, it was really powerful. Oh, that's powerful. And I don't know that he even realized, mm-hmm. but then it just made everything about coaching in the NFL absolutely clear. Players in the league, and you, and you can attest to this: their relationship with coaches is intimate if they really feel like that coach is trying to help them be a better player on a daily basis. And then that, that, that relationship completely changes and they never blame you for anything. You know, that you, they take all the hits, all that kind of stuff. So um, they get that and they understand that and they appreciate that. Yeah. I remember dad saying that he, he said, the guys, they know if you don't know. Oh, right away. And they if- know. And if you don't know, they'll turn you off forever. Well, and that's but, what's happened to so many teams in the league that how can a team that has decent talent just not win? Well, that's how it, that's how yeah. I was, I was in those situations for years now in the league where guys, we just showed up and we coached and we played and that was it. Yeah, that, that's right. If we won great, you know, but you know, yeah. that wasn't a big deal. Yeah. Now, now going back to Jackie's story about you he broke into this story. We were on set, Mike, in between commercials. Uh-huh. And he broke into this story about one of your installs and how y- you would start off with a blank uh, board, basically, and just start writing things. And you'd, you'd ask this person's input on something. And, and then you'd ask another person's input. And he was amazed at how within, I don't know, hours or maybe at the end of the day, the entire board around the room would be filled with, with, you know, situational stuff, play calls, what you liked, what you didn't like, so on and so forth. And, and, and uh, he, he really thought that was fantastic. Well, you know, Jackie, we were together for so long. He knew me as a line coach, as a tight end coach, as, as a coordinator. Uh, I tried to hire him, um, you know, so we go, we go, we have such a long history, but I appreciate that. I really do. Yeah, it, it was it was phenomenal to, to hear 
to hear him say it. It's, it's, it's different. It seemed different coming from him and you can say it all you want, but when you, when the player says it, then you know, it's, it's real in it <laughs> and it's ingrained. But uh, anyway, so what a week, uh, like I said, if, if, if a couple weeks ago, Mike was about uh, last week was about the backup quarterback. Then this week was about teams who lost their quote unquote superstar, but one big, for instance, let's start with the Denver Broncos. Dallas, can I think I texted you like 9,000 times during this game, but Dallas takes on Denver and Denver with no Von Miller and boy, they don't have a chance to do anything and they go down and smack Dallas and then Cleveland, they, uh, they finally say goodbye to Odell Beckham, Baker Mayfield shoulders hurt. Oh my goodness. Woe is them. What can they possibly do? I'll tell you what they can possibly do. They beat up on the Bengals 41, 16. That's a theme for this weekend, I think. Yeah, and it, of course the Rams, that whole thing out there with, the, like you say, Tennessee. But yeah. the thing with Dallas, right. so I think I, I do think that that uh, Denver had a great plan for them to begin with. They really did a, a nice job with it. Um, I think ultimately the the Achilles heel for for Dallas is they just have never been able to stop the run for any length of time. Yeah. I, they've been good at times, but. You know, and they just were patient with running the football against them. But the big deal, Dak just was – that's the worst I've ever seen Dak play. And he yeah. would – you know, somebody had said that he hadn't practiced in two weeks. He actually just did some little things, but you can't do that and go out and play a game. You just can't. And he held the ball and held the ball, which he's never done before. Uh, I chalked that off. Uh, I don't know that that was a cowboy loss as much as it was just a Dak Prescott just not really being ready to play. Yeah, Dak on the day, 1939-232, only one interception, but you're right, holding the – and then he was off target on a lot of little stuff, you know, like just little swing routes, little out routes, missed missed on on things. He missed a couple throws downfield too that – you know, he doesn't – Yeah, he he missed some big ones downfield. He just doesn't miss. You know, he just never misses, and he did. And then then when that happens, that's what – then everything looks like the team's bad, but it isn't, you know. Yeah. And in Denver, uh, they took advantage of everything. They they destroyed them in time of possession. Forty one minutes to to eighteen minutes. I don't think you can win a game in this league with eighteen minutes of time of possession without a bunch of turnovers. A couple of things have got to happen. First of all, offensively, Dallas has got to go three and out. That's you know yeah. obviously that's defensively you got to get them off the field. Then the other thing is they just they sat on they just go about getting first downs, not worrying about scoring as much as moving the ball down the field methodically and just eating up clock. And then when you call play, you use the entire time. You know what I mean? And then just keep going down. And then if you get a field goal, great, or a touchdown at the end, whatever, and you, feel, you play field position. And that's what you do to a team that scores a lot of points. You got to get them off the field and then and then gobble up the, the clock with the ball. Yeah, Bridgewater was solid. You know, not huge numbers, but he didn't have any turnovers. He had a, a big rating, and they ran the ball with the Williams kid. Only seventeen carries for Denver, but one hundred and eleven yards rushing. They did. They ran the ball. They got some key third downs, and they even ran it on third down. And um, but I, I thought Bridgewater. I just didn't know much about him, but I've been really impressed with him this year when I've seen him play. He's he's very very protective of the ball. He makes good decisions. He's real quick with it. He, he really looks like a good player. Yeah, uh, the the yeah the, the third game that involved not having a superstar, but yet that team looked even better was the Tennessee Ram game, and I could tell the Rams were in trouble from the first series, and now not the first series, the second series, because Stafford started double clutching, holding the ball, holding the ball. So what had happened is they went back and looked at San Francisco a year ago, and how they dominated the Rams, and they yeah, basically twice. Took- Yes, they took a page off of their their uh, playbook. And what you do with the Rams, uh, re- regardless of who the quarterback is, is you get up the field with your ends. You do not let them break contain on these bootlegs. Like they, most of their passing game is the quarterback's moving outside. And by doing that, it allows all those receivers to get depth and levels and all that stuff. And guys pop open for big plays. Well, they just refuse to let them do that. Yeah. And so he had to stay in the pocket. And they are not – They've never been since the time he's been there a real good team in pocket protections because they don't they don't do a whole lot of it. So that they're not a real dynamic team in a two minute offense. It's just 
even in their two minute offense, they use the bootlegs and stuff. So uh, they did that. They can find them to a pocket and then they got after Stafford and they put, got a push up inside and then he just fell apart. He was horrible in that game. Mike, I, I hate to say it, and this is going to sound bad, but this is what it looks like and feels like, and I'm still going to hold a ticket on this to see if it happens. Is Matthew Stafford a lion dressed in sheep's clothing, a.k.a. ram clothing? No, I think, I think that's who he is. I think he was that way when, went to, when he went to the Lions, to be honest with you. I think he's got those bad plays in him. And, you know, I think he's got two real ugly plays in him a game. He's yeah. one of those guys. And the rest of the time he plays pretty good. No matter what you're saying. No matter what. Yes, I don't care what team he's on. But if you got a lead and you make a couple of bad plays, oh, well, you know, we'll fix that. And yeah. that's kind of been what's happened. But he's capable of just mm-hmm. absolutely – his judgment has never really been real good. And that may come somewhat from, the, uh, you know – from Detroit as well. I don't know, but he's, I just don't know that he's ever gotten rid of that. And I think he went into Detroit somewhat like that, but when you go like you, and I give you, you know, you're absolutely clear on this, that great quarterbacks out of college with the potential of being great, they go to a bad team. They develop bad habits that sometimes they just can never Mm -hmm. let go. And that may, that may very well be the situation there. And you're right. Right. Yeah. The, the, the bad habit is I've got to win this. I've got to make the play. I've got to do yes. this. Yeah. Yes. No, that, that's that's right. And it was a perfect storm for Tennessee. Two interceptions, uh, one pick six real early there that that uh, and they got they got on top. So the Rams were behind on the pitch count, which they which we said last year, Mike, they're not a team that plays well from behind. I'm not saying a lot of people do, but they're they're built to play. So 10 points up. Yeah. So historically with with them at least in the last few years uh, if they get behind at halftime that's never been an issue They'll, they have, they come back usually second half but if they're behind in the fourth quarter they're done they just they cannot mount that two minute kind of surge they're just not yeah. equipped to do it you could see it in Stafford's eyes and I'm not going to pound the table anymore even though I just did there about the run game because I think two things are glaringly missing from this team the run game, Cam Akers, and, and they can do it with Henderson. They can do it with Sony as long as they're up in the score and Aaron Donald and the rest of the boys are going crazy with the ears pinned back and, and wreaking havoc on the D-line. Uh, but that run game is going to be a problem. Next thing, I think they miss John Fossil and special teams. Remember when they had Fossil? They were pulling out trick plays. They were doing all kind of stuff. That's missing. They haven't. I can't remember the last time they made a big play on special teams. Yeah, I think I think you're right. But Fossil's a pretty special guy. Yeah. I think defensively, they they've underachieved. They've got all these weapons on defense. Oh, uh, that's you're right, Mike. And they sit in a Morris. Yeah. They sit in a defense and play based yeah. defense. The old Lovey Smith <clears> thing. We're just gonna we're just gonna execute the defense, you know, and all that stuff. And yeah, nobody's good enough to do that. Nobody yeah. in the history of football is is good enough to stay in a defense without just getting, you know, jolted. I don't care who you are. You know, yeah. they were so creative a year ago with that talent. They're moving around and they're changing things and making it difficult. And they're not. They're not doing that. Yeah. Okay. So uh, run game, special teams, and then the third issue for the Rams, penalties. They had 12 penalties now this started a couple games ago i can't remember who they played they had seven i want to say it was the giants back there in a game they won but the penalty count has been going up this season and and that that worries me because i don't remember that being an issue before i tell you what's an issue for them is the offensive line and holding penalties because they're just not very good at it yeah you know and they're not on the edges and and you know in two minute stuff and you're trying to throw the ball you're playing with open edges and that's just not what they do. And now you have a tackle hanging out there by himself and yeah, they're not used to that. They're used to, they're used to the play action for help or tight end bumping his way out and that kind of thing. So, yeah. Yeah. I know Jackie Slater is always talking about the guard and center combination with Allen and uh, Corbett. He's and Corbett was, was struggling. That kid said Jeffrey Simmons had three sacks. Yeah. I think in the second quarter by the second quarter, so he's get so what they did there we get that push up inside into Stafford's face, yep. but he he couldn't bail because they've what you do with those ends 
Ron, what we used to do is just contain it. You don't need to sack yeah. him. Just contain and squeeze the pocket. Kind of like don't you would do with kind of like you would do back in the day with a guy like Michael Vick. Yes. Any quarterback thing. that could run. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. yeah. Is that Good is thing. that a mush rush? Is that what they call mush rush? Yeah. Something. Just, yeah. And, and and you just you want to make sure you don't get up past him. Right. In other words, when you get vertical, but don't get past the quarterback and then squeeze to the quarterback. Yeah. yeah. Oh boy. Okay. So Anyway, Rams now seven and two. They got a fight on their hands now, and uh, they've got San Francisco coming up. But San Francisco beat them twice last year. But it's not the same San Francisco team. That that's not 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 anywhere near the same. No, team. no. So uh, the other the other team that again lost a star guy, and we'll we'll get into this a little bit. Cleveland, uh, Cleveland beat up on Cincinnati. Cincinnati. What did you say? When a team has a bad loss, you don't want to lose twice to that team by having the hangover the next week. So Cincinnati lost to the Jets in New York two weeks ago. That was Mike White's coming out party. And now they just lost again to Cleveland. So is the hangover still bothering them or is it something deeper? No, I think that's exactly what happens to teams. You know, the Jets are so bad to get beat by the Jets is when you are playing as well as they were playing, that's hard. That's a hard one to get over. But as a coach, you got to make them get over it. And that's your attitude. You go in and beat a team down about that loss, but you can't. You know, when when we suffered a really bad loss, and we had a few, a lot of times they just wouldn't look at the tape. They just throw it away. So that's not us. Don't don't pay attention to that game. It's over with. Let's move on. We got to move forward. Mm-hmm. If it's a, yeah. if it's a, it was just something that wasn't like us, there you know we get whatever it was, but you got to get past it. You can't let them think about that because the papers are not going. You know, the media and the social, that whole thing is not going to let you forget about it, but you have yeah. to. Yeah, right. Yeah, and the Jets, uh, they went and turned back into a pumpkin against Indianapolis. Indianapolis starting to roll a little bit. Seems like uh, the quarterback Wentz is is getting his sea legs again, I guess. Yeah, he still has, you know, he's a little bit like Stafford in that regard where he still has that stupid play. Yeah, you yeah. just can't get rid of it every game. But and that's the difference between just being a good quarterback and being a great one. You know, the great ones just don't make dumb mistakes. Vince Ferragamo brought up a great point uh, this past week when we we're doing the show. He said, Wentz is so used to getting hit. And I saw this on film. He was in the pocket, and you know, when that back picks up a, a dog and linebacker, blitz and linebacker. That's like a car crash in there yeah. <laughs> for the quarterback. That's, that's what quarterbacks have told me. And the back stepped up, picked it up, and it's a big explosion and pop. And Wentz went like that, like he was looking for a place to fall. And then he realized, oh, wait, I'm, he didn't get there. I'm, I'm okay. And then he reloaded and tried to – and I, I saw that a couple times. See, that's trust, though. You know, we have a number of quarterbacks standing there where the linebacker looks like he's coming free, but you know the back's got him. And you just have to trust the fact that, that back's going to pick him off. Yeah. So you have to stay in there and, yeah. and realize, and, and it's the hardest thing in the world to do. Yeah. yeah. Here's this train coming right down the middle at you. You're trying to keep your eyes down the field, and he's three, three feet away, and he's uh, blowing snot bubbles out of you, out of his nose. And here he, he's coming at you, and, <laughs> and all of a sudden that back just goes boom and takes him out. And you just got you have to expect that's going to happen. That's funny. Warren Moon told me, he said, I said, what is it really like standing there with all of that crap going on? He said, man, it's like being in an intersection with four car crashes happening simultaneously. That's a great analogy. You're right in the middle of the intersection. You're in the middle of the intersection. You always see glass and debris right there. But yeah. So when I was at the Rams, Ron, we had a receiver, young receiver come to our team that was trying to make our team. And he, he just... He wasn't running routes fast at full speed all the time. Uh-oh. Which was, Uh-oh. That was a problem for you. Yeah. So I said, oh, okay, yeah. that's, here's what we're going to do. You're going to stand back at the quarterback position. <sighs> we're going to call play. Had the quarterback call play go up there. And I said, this is live, boys. This is live. I hand him the football five yards back behind this. I said, all right. And I had the quarterback stand inside and call a cadence. And I said, all right, now you stand back here and you try and throw the football to one of the guys that are running down the field. You know the play. So he did, and he's, he came back, and you almost screamed. His eyes were about that big. And said, no, I had no idea. I said, no, of course you don't have any idea. That's why you have to yeah. play this game from a quarterback's perspective. Yeah, These guys are courageous. 
Uh, Mike, I, I always wonder. And you see Tom Brady for all those years stand there. Unbelievable. All that flack coming. You said it, though. It's trust. You He's have to trust, have trust yes. somewhere. But, yeah. you know, here's the other thing, too. You know, we were all in love with Patrick Mahomes here two years ago, myself included. Yeah. And last year, yeah. too. And then he's just having this bad year this year. But and we're paying him all this money, and rightfully so, and all the – but just go back and appreciate. Tom Brady never had that. Yeah. He never did that. He did this all these years no. without – now, he got injured, and they fell off, but never did he uh, trip. Or have that bad year or start off on his own and, you know, passing over receivers that are open, those kinds of things. He never did that. Is, is no that matter how is, bad things got. Is that Belichick or is that him? No, that's Belichick. That's no question. It's that's, what, that's what they're doing up there now with the quarterback, right? Yeah. That's what – I mean, he's going through that right now, right? I mean, he's developing this guy into the prototypical winner like Tom was. Yeah. And then once Tom has that, it, you know, and that's his personality anyway, yeah. you know, then they play to a certain uh, level in expectation every single week and the details and the intensity yeah. and the winning and duh, 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 I mean, you just do it. You know, you never take, you never blink. You don't blink. You don't, you don't blink. And, and that, that right there, folks, is the difference between winners and losers in the NFL, the difference between guys, who are just happy to be drafted in the NFL and enjoy all the stuff off the field that the NFL brings you and run it out underneath the goalpost every day. And then the guy, like Brady once said, I don't feel appreciated in this organization because that's the way the organization is set up. The organization is set yes. up to win. It's not set up to stroke appreciate your ego. Somebody. <laughs> that's right. That's right. right. And, yeah. and that's, and that's, now that's something that, People have to understand, and it's not easy to understand. Well, and you know what, though, but that's a good thing. It's a great every, thing. Yeah. It's a great because, you know, like Patrick Mahomes, when you're mm -hmm. constantly stroking this guy and telling him he's the greatest thing ever to play the game, and, you know, you, you, he takes his eye off the prize too. He becomes a different player. He starts going off on his own a little bit. But in the structured, intense environment that Brady went through all those years, that doesn't happen. No. No, no. And well, let, let me let me switch gears here because uh, I want to keep us moving. I think a guy that's taken his eye off the prize a little bit. And I want to be careful here because there's been elite athletic wise, elite players that have struggled early on in their career to get in the right situation, situation, get the right team on the right team, right coach, right quarterback, all that stuff. Now I'm talking about Odell Beckham here. So, so now obviously Odell Beckham has, has left the Browns. So that's two teams. So my first question is he's not the first guy to do this type of thing. I know T.O. went through this. Okay. He bounced around for a while and finally got to Philly and they did go to the Super Bowl and lost it, but, he, he found a home eventually, I think. And, and uh, Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown went through this, uh, wasn't happy. Pittsburgh, for whatever reason, went to the Raiders, had a big blow up there with the general manager and the head coach. Then he ends up in Tampa Bay and he, found, he finds the promised land. He goes to the Super Bowl and wins it. Where is Odell at? right now mentally mike and is, is he is he done he just I, I don't know where he is mentally he has to go through a, a an attitude readjustment serious that, attitude this, this whole thing isn't about him it, it is a team it's a team game and you do your part and sometimes you're really involved sometimes you're not involved as much as you'd like but that kind of unselfishness is something that has to be learned or ingrained in somebody and without it you just it's not worth it it's not worth picking him up you know it just isn't well without, he's ready that's my i mean i'd rather play with somebody with much less talent that will play hard and compete and do all those things and do it the way you want him to do it than have to deal with that he's radioactive right now so well he is i feel bad for him because he he still has a lot of gas in the tank and he's a, a really good he's really talented but 
if he could ever ever have a, I guess for lack of a better term, a come to Jesus and and understand, you know, what his role really is on a team, you know, and and uh, I think people would appreciate him. I think somebody out there will pick him up, or I think he'll end up playing for somebody. But you know, the the thing that when you go to a really, if you went to a really good team that's established, like let's just say New England picked him up, that stuff doesn't fly up there. I was going to say that that his problem would there. get solved real fast, real quick. Yeah, and you know, and Bill wouldn't have to say anything if 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 this kid came to the Rams when I was there, that that stuff would have gotten straightened out in the locker room. Yeah, you know, and yeah, yeah. And they, you know, the guys have gone through it. Like I said, T.O. went through it. Randy Moss went through it for a little bit. Uh, Ch- Chad Johnson went through it and never came out of the other end. So it, it can be a career. So who are they in? Uh, you know, the, how many of those guys have won Super Bowls? You know? Exactly. No, no, I- I- exactly. And they just talk about their number of catches, how many yards they had. Well, that's it. That's see, that's the thing, Mike. What I'm noticing is that the the guys that win are different than the guys who post big numbers, and it's about them. And it's funny. I used to to talk to my boys about this. You know, back when when Odell first came in the league, and they would run up to me and show me. Uh, the social media picture, the Instagram picture of the great one-handed catch in training camp. And it's funny because the culture they're in, the generation they're in, they think that's amazing. They think that's great. That's everything. That's as good as winning the Super Bowl. When you can post amazing pictures, you won the Super Bowl. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And I I kept telling them, so guys, none of that stuff matters. Oh, well, it does. Look how many followers he has. Followers? This man... He can't even stay on a team right now. Sure, he's got the athletic ability. There's been tons of guys that come through the NFL with all that ability and all that promise and all that potential. Well, they call it potential. Yeah. That's the worst word in the NFL, potential. Because you know, if the, you can't build on that, it's zero. At the core of any champion in a team sport, at the very core is in selfishness. Got it. We, we had got to be. And we had a term where we used to give up yourself completely has nothing in return and excellence will be yours. And excellence is what we pursue. You know, it's yeah. just that simple. Just that simple. I, I just, I don't, I don't know where he's going to end up, Mike. And again, if you had a problem in New York, you had a problem in Cleveland and in Cleveland, you had a Heisman trophy winner at quarterback. <laughs> at what point is it you? At what point do you got to look at yourself and figure it out? But I, I hope he does. He's fun to watch and all that, but there's a difference between guys that are fun to watch and guys that win Super Bowls. What he doesn't realize is there's a lot of great receivers in the league today. Yeah. He's just one of a lot of them right now. And yeah. in terms of talent, and but those guys are team players and they're winning, and a lot of them are going to have rings eventually. So yeah, there's a big difference. I, I just – guys like him with great talent – but don't get it. They come and go all the time, Ron. Come and go all the time. How many guys? How many guys have you seen in camps, Mike, were, that were like that? That oh, we oh cut, my gosh, we've we, over the years we've cut hundreds of guys I know could have made it. Hundreds, literally hundreds. Talented yeah. guys. Either they just didn't believe they were good enough, or, or they had his attitude. Just it's a million, but very seldom is it based on talent. The guy just wasn't good enough. That's right. That's what people don't realize. Making it in the NFL isn't as much about talent as you want no. to think it is. You're all talent. Everybody's got talent. It's how yeah, well it's you a, compete, you know, your mental stuff. toughness, you know, all those things. Yeah. Yeah. I remember we had a running back in Buffalo. This guy, this guy actually looked like a little Walter Payton. I mean, he, he, and he was performing like one too. You know, no one could catch him. No one could tackle him. It was amazing. But the guy had one problem. He couldn't shut up. The guy talked nonstop from the time he got on the field, off the field, in the huddle, in meetings, in the training room, on the bus to the game, on the bus back. He never shut up. And I remember my dad saying to me, he won't shut up. You know, and then he says something stupid every night. We we can't keep him. Yeah. He distracts my whole meeting. He won't shut up. I guess dad had to throw an eraser at him or something because he wouldn't shut up in the meeting. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah. yeah, fortunately, as a head coach, you you know, I was involved in the offensive meeting, so <laughs> I had a uh, a couple of guys a little bit like that. We just cut them on the spot in the meeting. Yeah, 
Go pick yeah, up your stuff. Had, you're done. Had to. Had to. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's flip through these other games here. Uh, what other game jumped out at you during the week? Well, it's good to see San Diego come back and get better. You know, yeah, Chargers, L.A. Like Chargers. Yeah. yeah, San Diego. I'm gonna call them San Diego. I know. I no oh, that's apologies right. for it. I yeah, that's that's no a apologies. new thing. I, you know, some I heard someone else say that too. Someone <laughs> on uh, one of the the shows said, "No, I know who they are. I know where they're at, but I'm still calling them San Diego." Okay. They're hey, San by Diego. the way, yeah, are they for sale? I don't know. I really don't know. I know well, the league. I know most of the owners are just kind of visiting with some of them that they would. They wish that they'd never left San Diego and they'd like to have them come back to San Diego. Yeah. And then the thing with the with St. Louis is as reparations, you never know. Oh, St. Louis boy. may get a may get a team, you know, a, a new team. And and then the process they'd have to get another one. So maybe San Diego gets one. Well, say that again now. And I, I know what you're talking about. You're talking about the current lawsuit that's going up against oh, it's a uh, lot of the, money now. The and no win St. Louis and San Cronky and yeah, St. Louis is going to win that lawsuit. They're, you know, they're going to win it, and it's a lot of money. And I think maybe in that deal, maybe they negotiate a deal where they can get another franchise here, and the league would like to expand anyway. But oh boy, that's interesting. So, but now they would have to do a a unilateral expansion, meaning if you're at 32 now, you got to go to 34. So or right? 32 or I 32, mean, yeah, yeah. But I mean, they're at 32. So if they expand I mean, no, 34, it, yeah, excuse yeah, me. Yeah. Yeah. It'd have to go to 34. You can't be, you can't be 33. You can't do no. 33. It'd screw no. up the schedule. Uh, yeah. And, and for our listeners that don't know what that is, that is uh, the, the Rams, uh, Stan Kroenke owner. Uh, that's a suit involving uh, the team allegedly violating their own. Uh, uh, relocation laws and rules the league's relocation laws and rules so well they had uh, i guess they had some agreements with with st louis that they broke and yeah. it's very clear and um, they're not going to get out of that so the city of st louis will win this and i think it's for quite a bit of money yeah and then of course at the owners meeting a couple of weeks ago there was a big brouhaha where they asked dan Cronkey. Rams owner to leave the room while the other owners uh, supposedly complained about uh, taking on that financial burden to support this suit. So there, there's a lot going on. <laughs> a lot going they on. Were, I think that they were yeah. upset with, with Stan Kroenke because he was going to absorb that, but now he's saying, you know, mm, I don't think nah. so. Maybe <laughs> illegal. Maybe you guys can share this hit with me. You know, and they, they, don't, they don't want anything to do with that. So. Well, Mike, that's that's news for me. I didn't realize that there was even a chance that the St. Louis uh, city could get another team back. That's interesting. Well, that's I shouldn't have laid out there, but that's I've read a number of things as that have come up as Mm. a potential to lighten the, I guess, lighten the the uh, cost of the litigation and all that stuff. That maybe they get a franchise and lower, you know what they're asking for and damages and all that sort of thing. Yeah. Right. Uh, the Monday night game, Pittsburgh and Chicago. I, I, I think both teams are struggling with a lot of different things. Pittsburgh just had the energy of being at home and all of that, but that game, I felt like that game was going to end up kind of like it did because I, Pittsburgh couldn't break away. Score but that's, wise. that's the best offensively that Chicago's played this year. It, I believe and that. He, yeah. And he looked Feels look like a, a number one draft pick in that game. You know, yeah. in the past, he didn't kind of, he didn't, when you can't, when you give a quarterback the play, you ask any quarterback, when you give them the play, the first thing that they do is they, there's a slight pause and they visualize the play, then they call it. Every quarterback does that. As a rookie, you get the play and you can't visualize it. That's why you get stuck and you start bailing and running. Mm-hmm. And that's where he was. Now he can visualize the play as he call it. And now he's staying in the pocket and making these throws where he, he wouldn't doing that before. Uh, he's come along. He's gotten better every week that he's played. I think by the end of the year, I think everybody will be really pleased with him. They've got good receivers. Montgomery, the running back, is back. Defensively, they were missing a whole host of defenders now. You yeah. know, they the three guys up front were out. And, um, you know, they hung in there and hung in there. And they had – I felt bad for them because they came back and won it at the end. And then, of course – Big man took him down at the very end there with seconds to go and kicked the field goal. Yeah, they kept calling 
a neutral zone in fractions on Quinn 94, for Chicago. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it, it happened, I want to, maybe it happened three times. I know for sure two on the yeah. same drive. And that's, yeah. that's interesting. That's weird to me that that didn't get corrected or, or it wasn't, wasn't right. He lined up like that the entire game. Yeah. He never not like, there's a lot of things that I got called in that game that I've never seen get called. Well, the car Cassius Marsh uh, taunting toward the end yeah. of the game. Well, and, and people don't know he was with Pittsburgh and they cut him, and he ended up at the Bears. Yeah, that's so right. He was that's just right. looking at the sideline saying, hey, see? See what you pass up? Kind well, of guys do it all the time. Look all at time. Jalen Ramsey. Jalen Ramsey does all kind of stuff. All the time. And, uh, but he didn't say anything. And so he walked back. And then the official, and you look at it on tape, he actually he moves bumped back him. and bumps him. The official bumped him. That was Tony Corrente. Yeah. yeah, he bumped him. That was weird. That was, ooh. An official should never be the reason why you win or lose a game, but there's no question. Uh, the, the, there's Mike, no there were, question. There were way too many. And this is, I'm going to get on this soapbox here because I'm tired of seeing it. The officials are too involved in the game, meaning, okay, if there's a penalty, got it. But the first two plays of a game, I shouldn't see a penalty. I mean, it's, it's becoming more of the, the norm now. Lots of penalties, lots of of game stoppage for penalties. Well, you know, I can, if, if they had 20 penalties, so be it, if they're penalties, but what what's called for this team should be the same for that team. So there, if one team holds in a certain way, then it should be a penalty for that team over there. And that's just not happening. Yeah. Like, like you know? strike zones in yeah, baseball. Exactly. It's exactly yeah. a great analogy. It's exactly right. So there's a total lack of consistency. When I was on the competition committee, that's the only thing I told them just take, Mike Pereira's Mike, you know, there's, there's gotta be a, a summer camp for you guys or something because there's just no consistency between crews and what's being called and what isn't being called. Oh, boy. But I felt bad for the bears because there were a number of things that happened to them that were, they were penalized for. And I just, you know, I, I, I just didn't see it. Well, 12 penalties against Chicago. Okay. Yeah. So that, that's what the Rams were going up against. Yeah. 12 penalties. You can't survive that. And Pittsburgh had, uh, where is it? Pittsburgh had five. Yeah. That's that's an that's a gross difference between. Yeah. I, I don't think the Steelers were that much better penalty wise than the Bears. So you know, and that's my point, I guess. But so the I was fine with everything, thinking, well, I I don't know why they called that. You know, I was still questioning my mind. That shouldn't that shouldn't have been called. But when they called Marsh. And he was walking by the official, and, and he, yep, nah, checks him yeah. as he walks by. I thought, whoa, 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 they need to get rid of this guy now. Tony Crane needs to get out of the league. No, 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 right. No, I was, I was just going to say that the NFLPA, the Players Association, they need to investigate that because that I've never seen that. I've never, I've never seen, seen an, official, ever an official do something like that. Yeah. And it's almost like what did something go on earlier in the, in the game that he wanted to get back at him for, which, you know, no one will ever admit any of that, but I've never seen that kind of body language before. No. And it, you know, there were just a number of those things that happened and he was primarily the guy throwing all the flags. Yeah. Yeah. And that was big because now I mean, that's just that was 15 yards. And I think they were about to punt the ball. They're punting the right? ball. They stopped. So them. they got the ball. They stopped. They stopped them and got yeah. the ball. And then they got a field goal off of that. And that was it's, essentially it's the, difference the, game. In the game. Difference in the game. Oh, and he Marsh man. came through and it was a big sack. And and now it was a fourth down. They they got him off the field. So now it gives him an automatic first down. Important. That's my point when an official should never ever be the deciding factor in the game and he was yeah you're right and poor Cassius Marsh he comes to the sideline and 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 I don't blame I don't know coaches are going to react people are going to react until they they really know what is happening but one of his coaches just ripped him before he even got to the sideline and I knew what was happening because he thought that Marsh did something overtly stupid. He never saw it. So yeah, that yeah. same coach came over at the end. And apologized. And apologized yeah. to him. I saw yeah. that. Yeah. I saw that. Because he didn't know what happened. Then he looked up at the board and he saw he didn't do anything. Oh. And that whole sideline was irate with uh, Corinthe for that. And I, I'll be curious this week to see what happens 
Maybe yeah. he didn't like the tattoos on his arms and stuff. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you say, man, I, oh, man. Well, my boy's got some tattoos that he, he's oddly, oddly enough, well, he does. Now, oddly <laughs> enough, he's a UCLA kid. And oh, yeah, right? that explains okay. a lot. Thank you. Thank you. And he went to high school right over here where my sons went, Oaks Christian. Yeah. So I've, you know, I've known the kid or my family's known the kid and the boys have known the kid for quite some time. Call him kid. Shoot. You know, we get in my idea. Everybody's a kid. So, but that, that was sad to see that, that was really sad. Cause that, that turned into a really good game. And I, I agree with you, Mike. I think Justin Fields may have gone from rookie to vet in that game. That's what this was, felt this like. was the, the turning point in his career in my mind. Yeah. And the other thing yeah. that's helped him is, the head coach has gotten out of the hair of the offensive coordinator and let him call the game. Yeah. Before he was always involved in in meddling, and then he was going to call. No, you call. No, no, I'll come. I'll call. No, no, you call. Back and forth. But in the last two weeks, he's he told Bill, you know, go ahead and call it. And so Bill's yeah. done a good job with it. Bill Lazor, laser, laser, Bill yeah. laser, yeah, yeah. He let him call it. What well, since we're on this game here, what needs to change in Pittsburgh? The quarterback. He needs yeah. to go. He's done. I like Ben. I like everything. He's had a great career, but it's he's yeah. had the key. There's had. He's done. Yeah, he's done. Yeah, and and I saw the uh, the Claypool guy went out. He went out of the game late. I saw there. that too. He yeah. got hit, bopped his head, and then the next thing I know, he's got all his tape off his arms. And so yeah. I was like, whoa! And that that was a big miss. I don't, I don't know that they have what they used to have on the perimeter. And if you've got a quarterback that can't move anymore, I'd probably blitz the living heck out of them. And that was the other thing I didn't understand about the Bears. They were just in a generic front. The only time they brought Marsh and they got a big sack. So, you know, the, their offensive line is not very good at Pittsburgh. They're not very good. And they got a rookie right guard who's, who couldn't figure out how to get out of the huddle. To me – you cover them and go after them with games or you bring backers and, you yeah. know, big Ben, he can't get out of his way. You he know, can't, he just yeah, he no. can't. Now when no. you get there, I was playing popcorn football as a linebacker and I blitz and I, I got the quarterback, I got him around the legs and I was, you know, like this. And he just, he looked down at me like this and he'd already thrown the ball. You know, <laughs> that's big Ben, you know, they get there, they hit him. He's just kind of looking. So, you know, <laughs> you can't get him down. Mac, Mike, I'm glad you remember that. Yeah, I do. I yeah, th those are those one are... more. That, that tells you what kind of athlete I was. 99-pound linebacker flying through there, hitting a the quarterback in the legs. I got a sack. I got a sack. I can't get him down. He just can't get away from me. You know? Wait a minute. Now, depending on what level you're at, 99 pounds, that might have been pretty big. You might that have was been. Junior Bantam, I think, or Midget, <laughs> Midget, something like that. Yeah, midget, I think it was Midget. Yeah. That's funny. Oh, man. Yeah, the Kearney Mason Mules. Oh, gosh. The Kearney Mason Mules, huh? Yeah, San Diego. Wow, down in San Diego, man. I bite him in the heart, you know. You <laughs> oh, boy. Well, the Giants got a win. Uh, unfortunately for Las Vegas Raiders, they're still, I'm sure, um, trying to get over the, the Henry Ruggs deal. It's just another incident that, that just rips the team internally. Well, it does. They try to fight off. And that poor woman that was killed and, oh, and, uh, and then Ruggs, his whole life is done. And, you know, and how that just devastates that team, you know, just the timing of everything. And, you know, yeah. winning a football game doesn't seem to be very important when that happens. Any idea, Mike, who, who's going to, go in there as a head coach. And there's going to be some other openings uh, around the league. And we'll, we'll get to those later. But since we're on this, what are your early thoughts on that? Well, I think they can have their pick of any because they're really a good football team. There'll be a lot of outstanding guys wanting to go there. Um, yeah. I think the assistant that there, that's there now, and I can't recall his name, if he does a remarkable job and gets him into the playoffs come down the stretch, he'll have an opportunity. Basaccia? Yeah, yeah, he'll have an yeah. opportunity. So um, they tried the big name guy, it didn't work out. So, sure yeah. you know, go with the guy that's getting you in the end zone and winning games. And if he can continue to win, I think this week was a mulligan for him. I think they'll get back on track, on yeah, track it, here. Yeah. And they seem to do that. It's just they, they've always got something that, that happens. And, oh, man, it's been a rough, uh, 
rough first year there, second year there in Vegas, that's for sure. Yeah, it's been it's been difficult for him uh, with all the things that have happened. Yeah. But, you know, in those circumstances, uh, like New Orleans with the hurricane and all the relocation that they went through that year, they won the Super Bowl. Yeah. You never know. Yeah. Mike, it made me, and I, I, I hesitate to even bring this up, it, it, it made me immediately think of the Leonard Little situation down in St. Louis. Leonard so Little, so the, the Leonard Little situation um, was, was uh, very similar. Leonard Little was a defensive end for us from Tennessee. He was an outside linebacker, basically. And he was a guy who never drank. And this is a year before I, I got there, so this has been 98. Mm-hmm. And it was his birthday the night of a game. So he'd gone home, and some of the, his friends had said, hey, listen, come on down. We want to celebrate your birthday. Yeah, I'm home. Now they talked. So he goes. He's never had anything to drink, and he gets drunk. He's never been drunk. He gets in the car downtown, kills a woman. And he's got to live with that the rest of his life. So another incident came up with him where he was allegedly driving or speeding and being drunk. And that came up. And that and I was at that. That was in uh, 05. Mm-hmm. I was at the all the trial for that every day because it just he was not guilty of this. This police officer, whoever it was, had 10 times the tickets of anybody. He was he, he knew who he was. He, he looked at the vehicle with all the stuff, you know, player vehicle or whatever. And he pulled him over and, and uh, the breathalyzer and all that stuff. He, he just wasn't drunk. He didn't drink. In fact, he had been at a, a function downtown with a bunch of uh, off-duty police officers that he knew. Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, hmm. but the fact that he got stopped again, hit the papers and, you know, they, they just assumed he was guilty and, so he had to fight that off and, and, um, you know, it was really hard for him. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we, uh, we got a few minutes here. Uh, let's talk about the Aaron Rodgers thing. You know, I hate to, I, I don't even like discussing the whole political part of it. I don't, I don't care what side anyone's on as far as that's concerned with this thing here. Uh, but you just, just give me your thoughts on it and, and, uh, how if you think the the Packers will be affected by this once no, he comes back? No. I personally, I don't care whether he's vaccinated or not. I don't care whether he said he was vaccinated or didn't. I could care less. I could care less if if he what he said to him in his mind was accurate. I know uh, Tony Bradshaw is ridiculing him, and but that's a good thing. If you get ridiculed by Terry Bradshaw, that means you got character. So <laughs> I think I think that. Uh, Whatever reason he said what he said, who cares? And that's his decision. And if if there was some sort of rule broken within the league because of that, then fix it and move on. But, you know, this is – a lot is made of nothing in my mind, and it just needs to go away. Here's what amazes me is – so this happened back in uh, – was it September? Or, yeah. you know, right around the end of camp. Right. You know, when – and, and he supposedly said or said, uh, I've been immunized. So you're telling me no one caught it? You know, all, right. all of the great reporters, all right. of the great writers in this business, right? That are, you know, you got this NFL network, you got the ESPN, you got all this stuff out there. You're telling me no one caught it until he sh- tested dirty on or, or positive on a COVID test? How come, how come no one said, well, wait, a uh, question. Is that the same thing as vaccinated? So you are. Why, why didn't why not bring it up then? That's what I don't understand. Well, that's the point. I think that's a good point too. It wasn't a, an issue then. It shouldn't be now. Yeah. So another week in the NFL, uh, Mike. Let's look forward here to uh, some of the other games coming up. And you know, it, it always seems like. Start with the Rams because they're going to take on San Francisco on a Monday night or next week. San Francisco beat them twice last year, but as you already alluded to, they're they're not even close to the same team as they were last year, last couple of years. No, you know it'll be hard. This is going to be a real hard game for uh, San Francisco. 
the the what they used to beat them. Uh, obviously, they're going to go to school and they're not dumb. The Rams have changed. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know if they have to do a whole lot to beat San Francisco because it's, unless they just shoot themselves in the foot like they did here last week. Yeah, and that game will be up in San Francisco. Uh, looking at some of the other games, uh, it, it's I don't think it's a big game, but the Cowboys are going to want to have to come off the snide now. They're going to take on the four and four Atlanta Falcons, and it'll be in Dallas. So there's a chance for Dak to to redeem himself a little bit, for the whole team to redeem themselves. Yeah, I think Dak is is the issue there. I really do. If he plays really well, then it's not going to be an issue. But um, yeah. I guess Zeke is okay physically. I know he went out in that game. Hopefully he's back. Hey, Buffalo's going to take on the Jets. Buffalo dropped one to Jacksonville. What happened in that game? You know, I think that uh, Buffalo's – they're really good teams right now, Ronnie. You'll know this as a player, too. By midseason on, the more physical teams pull away from the other teams. If you can't or are reluctant to run the football well, that makes how much, but if the def- defensively you respect their ability to run the football, it changes – your approach. Well, when you go back and look at Buffalo, they just don't run the football. It's just something that they do occasionally. They're not very good at it. They, you know, they get some yards, but it, everything is predicated around Josh Allen. That's a dangerous thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. You got to be able to run the ball in this league. Uh, what else here? Uh, Green Bay and Seattle, that will be in Green Bay. And, and, and Rogers all goes well. He should be back for that one. And you expect them to get back on track just like that pretty much. Yeah, and the quarterback, and he's back. Both quarterbacks will be back from being gone. So yeah. um, that's a tough place to play, as you know, up in Seattle. So, yeah. uh, that, But they're such a good team. you know. And it, it was evident when he left, defensively, they're really good. Uh, you know, he'll – He's going to get back in the saddle and they'll be good. Yeah, that one, that one will actually be in Green Bay. Uh, the Jordan Love kid, how do you think he played down there uh, last week? Oh, I think he was awful. Yeah. He's yeah. awful. He's awful. He looked like Fields did when he first played. So you have to you have to consider that as well. The yeah. speed of the game, you know, if, you, if you've practiced a lot and then you get in the NFL game, it's times 10. You know, the speed of the game isn't anything close to practice. And when you like you said, when you stand in the pocket back there and the bombs are going off all around, it's way different than being the shotgun playing up Pacoima State. You know, just different. Yeah, yeah, and, and that was a win that I'm sure they thought they could get the way Kansas City was playing, but and it, it didn't happen. You know, it's funny. I I thought that uh, the receivers and I thought I saw Devonte Adams a couple of times look like he quit on the route. And quit on the play, maybe because Love was supposed to do something he he wasn't expecting or did something he didn't expect. The body language was horrible with the Packer receivers as that game went on. So Devontae had two balls go, you know, streaks or go routes, and the corner was up on him. Well, when that happens, Rodgers will throw a missile at his back and he'll throw it short and he'll turn around, pick it, catch it, and that's it. Well, he doesn't know how to back shoulder a ball. Jordan Love, and so that's he where he's expecting yeah. He just threw, end up throwing it out of bounds. So you get a receiver running a go route, and you throw the ball out of bounds. That receiver's going to have words for you and come back to the huddle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, they were having words. When I see ice, there was one point they caught on camera where Adams and, and Cobb were, were whispering to each other as they were walking off the field. I know what that is. none of that is ever good they were like man look we're not going to get killed here i'm not going up for any balls inside anything high i'm not getting tore up for this man i yeah i think they're probably going to send a limo around for rogers make sure he gets to the stadium yeah it's funny it's funny no one talked about covid uh when he when he went out to arizona and pulled off that win with with no help isn't that amazing yeah Yeah. boy it's a (laughs) All right, uh, and last one, uh, five and four. This is going to be a good one, I think. Five and four Browns, five and four Patriots in New England. That's a hard game for the Browns to win up there. You know, the, Very hard, yeah. Right now, this reminds me of the 01 Patriots where they'd start off like five and four, and then they just won out the rest of the season. Won with, out, yeah. With a rookie quarterback. Yeah, 
Yeah. We played him in the Super Bowl. So, yeah. yeah, this is, it'll be hard. It'll be a tough place for the Browns because you're, you're catching them right now. They're really a good team. Talking about New England. And I think the Browns are too, but I think it's going to be a slugfest up there. I really do. Yeah. No, you, they're, they're coming slow, but they're, they are coming and they're looking, looking solid. So, all right, Mike, that's all we got time for, man. Thanks as always, buddy. Good talking right, football with you. All right. We'll see you next week. I'm Ron Pitts with the coach, Mike Martz, and we hope you enjoyed this episode. Like what you're hearing on Run It Again? Well, let us know by leaving us a review on Apple. Be sure to join us next Tuesday for a new episode as we break down the top five receivers in the NFL this season. Don't forget to visit us at runitagainpodcast.com and be sure and hit that subscribe button. Remember, we're just two old pros trying to make you think a little. So long, everybody. Run it again with Ron Pitts and Coach Mike Martz is a Benstown and McVeigh Media Podcast production. Executive produced by Roy Hamilton, producer Ed Maloney, and technical engineer is Kevin Horton. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching at Run It Again Podcast.